Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through Spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. For over 50 years, he has raised millions of dollars to move the cause forward so others might know Jesus. And before his, his present role, Gary and his wife Dee were Louisiana State Youth Directors for 22 years and raised over $7 million to help equip our Louisiana missionaries. Gary's heart is for, the missions, to, it's for missions to be equipped with all they need to spread the gospel. I want to share with you, I just got back from Israel last Sunday, and I'm hoarse. I spoke every day, and uh, we were there 10 days, and then uh, I've tried to let my voice rest, and my wife comes home with two ear infections, sinus infection, and, I, and, and she didn't realize she had them, and she kissed me, and I guess she gave them to me. I don't know, but, you know, but hey, if you're going to get a kiss, who cares? And uh, she normally travels with me every week. And uh, she uh, is uh, homesick today. She said, oh, I just hate I can't go because I want to be there so bad. And uh, Pastor Joe, thank you and Shannon last night for treating me to a great meal. And uh, that was so good and uh, it, was, it was great. And I trust I'll get another one before I leave today. And so <laughs> now, let me tell you, I think church ought to be fun, number one. God's not a sad sack. God has a sense of humor. Now, if you don't believe that, in the morning when you get up, you go straight to the mirror and look. You'll know God's got a sense of humor. I want to share a story with you. I'm a story preacher. While I was in Israel this last week, I got to speak where this story took place that I'm going to share with you in John chapter 21. And I think they may throw the scripture on the screen. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm, it's in the, uh, the New Living uh, Test, New Living Translation is the one that I have, the NLT. And uh, I have many translations. But as I was standing there teaching in this very spot, the Lord gave me some new insight to this scripture. Now, I had preached from this scripture before, John 21. John 21 is the last chapter in the book of John. If you're looking for it, it's on page 842. Uh, I don't know what it is in your Bible, but that's what it is mine, okay? Uh, and the Lord began to give me some insights, so you're going to get something today that other people hadn't got. It's just tore the, it tore my old sermon up. John here, in this chapter, when he writes it, Peter is frustrated. Now, if you've never been frustrated since you've been a child of God, cheer up. Your day's coming. Because we don't understand things about life. Everyone that talked this morning was said, talking and confirming my message. Then pastor gets up and he says some things about the first book of Acts, which I will go to at the very end. 
of my message about Peter preaching to 3,000 people and they were one to the Lord. And I'm thinking, boy, God, they're all over my sermon this morning. Every one of them, even the music director. And so Peter's frustrated with life and let me tell you why he's frustrated because he's been walking with Jesus. He's been talking with Jesus. He's been watching Jesus do all kinds of miracles. And now Jesus is gone from them. He's he's been crucified and resurrected. Now, they had only seen Jesus on two other occasions before John chapter 21. And when they saw him at those two times, he was walking through walls making doors where there were none. Because he was in a glorified body. I'm so glad when we get to heaven, we're going to have a glorified body. You know why? I'm not going to be fat. I've already asked God to give me one of those bodies, those guys you see them on television. I'd love to have one like that. So here's the whole thing about this story. Peter's frustrated with life because he can no longer sit and talk with Jesus eyeball to eyeball. He no longer can get directions from Jesus out of his own mouth. And he doesn't know what God wants out of him. Now he knows he's been called to be a disciple. Those boys were all fishermen. And in this story where they were fishing that night, there was only seven of them there out of the 12 disciples. Only seven. And all of a sudden, Peter decides and says out loud, I am going fishing. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? You know why he said that? Because Peter figured if I can get out there in that boat and I can fish, I can forget about all this frustration I'm going through. I can forget about all of my problems. I can forget about the fact I can no longer touch the Savior. I can no longer talk to Him in person. And I'll just go back doing what I used to do. Let me help you with something. Once you have touched the Master... You can never go back to doing what you used to do. It does not work. So they get out there and they fish all night, the Bible says, and they caught absolutely nothing. To add to their frustration, they caught nothing. Now, I thought it was kind of comical, and I find a lot of uh, funny things in the Word of God. I thought it was comical that when Peter said, I'm going fishing, the other disciples said, We'll go with you. They weren't invited. The last thing you want when you're frustrated is to be around people that's as bad off as you are. Hello? But the Bible says they all went out and fished and that night they caught absolutely nothing and morning comes and so I am standing in this spot where this story took place on Friday of last week. Last, not this last, the one before. Standing there, looking at the very spots, even where they, the fish was cooked. I mean, the whole story was just unfolding in front of me. And I'm thinking, wow. And then the Holy Spirit began to speak to my spirit and start giving me thoughts and giving me situations and things of life that I could share with you today. Because I asked the Lord on the way down here yesterday, I said, God, what do you want me to preach to this church? You know, you know these people better than I do. 
you know what they are looking for and you know what they're going through. And Father, I don't want to just preach any old sermon that's in the book. I've got a pile of sermons, but God, I want the one you want them to hear. And if I don't preach the one, Father, that you want them to hear, they're not going to go home with what you want them to have. So you're getting what the Holy Spirit wants you to have and if you don't like it, talk to Him. So all of a sudden, the Bible says that Jesus shows up the next morning. Let me help you with something. He just did not show up the next morning. He was watching them boys all night long. He knew they had not caught any fish. But yet I told you God has a sense of humor. And what does Jesus say to men that he knows they had not caught any fish? He simply says, hey boys, have y'all caught anything? First of all, they were frustrated. He knew that. Second of all, they didn't have him around. He knew that. But yet he goes, have you caught anything? And the Bible says in any version that you read it in, It doesn't matter what version, this version or any other version. It says, they said, no. That's all it says, no. Well, you know what? There's more than one way to say no. Because let me tell you, you're dealing with Peter. He cut your ear off if you mess with him. If you don't know your Bible, you don't know that story. I even stood where he cursed when he said he wouldn't and when he told a lie to the little girl and said, I I don't even know him because the Lord told him, you'll deny me three times. Oh, no, Lord, I'll never do that. But I stood in that place while I was in Israel where that little girl, and there's a statue there of a little girl talking to Peter, a bronze statue, and she says, do you know him? And he says, no, I'm not a part of him said he'd never do it how many times have we said that too maybe not out loud but the Bible says he knows our very thoughts isn't that scary huh when that woman pulled out in front of me this morning on the way to church I should have just said it he knows my thoughts and and I'll tell you what I thought I thought you crazy woman you're going to kill somebody and it's probably going to be me now, I know you don't do that. I know y'all are sanctified and holy. And when you drive, they pull out and you go, oh, God bless them. Yeah, I'm sure you do. My wife said to me one day, why do you talk to drivers? I said, because it makes me feel good. She said, it don't make your passengers feel good. I mean, slam me right there. And so a few days later, my granddaughter's with me, she's five, and I said something to the driver, and she said, Mamma talks to him too, Pops. I said, she does? Oh, yeah. She calls them nincompoops. So when I got back home, I walked in, I said, how you doing, nincompoop? She knew Brooklyn had told on her. Be careful, those grandkids will tell on you. So anyway, Jesus simply says, have you caught any word? No. I raised two girls, my wife and I did. And they'd come and ask me, Dad, can we do this? I'd say no. 
Maybe the next day, a few minutes later, whenever. Dad, same thing. Can we do this? No. And then again, third time. When they came back the third time, can we do this? I'd go, no! Now, which one do you think they understood the best? The first two or that last one? I got a feeling since you're dealing with some rough guys, they didn't just say no. I think they screamed it out because they didn't know who Jesus was. Your Bible in John 21 says they did not recognize him. And all of a sudden, the man who they did not recognize said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you're going to find some. And the Bible says that they threw their net on the right side of the boat and caught 153 large fish. Now, how many in here talk to yourself besides me? Okay, for you that do not talk to yourself, you're missing half of your life. And if you're not answering yourself, you're missing the other half of your life. So I said to myself out loud, I don't understand this part right here, you know. All of a sudden, they caught no fish. Those nets had been on the right side of the boat more than one time that night, left side of the boat, front of the boat, back of the boat, maybe wrapped around their heads a few times. I don't know. The Bible just clearly says they caught nothing but all of a sudden, they respond to a man who they did not know when he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Let me tell you why they did. It was not the person that they recognized. It was the authority in that voice that they recognized. They had heard that voice when he told the lame to get up and walk. They had heard that voice when he told the deaf ears to hear. They had heard that voice when he told the dead man, get up and live again. They had heard that voice when he told the man at the water by the pool of Bethesda get up and take your mat and go home because you're healed they knew the authority that was in that voice and it has not changed today we know the authority of the voice of almighty God when it speaks to our heart and to our spirit it may not be audible it just may not be audible do I believe God speaks audibly the Bible says he does I don't know if you've ever heard the comedian Shonda Pierce or not. Shonda told us, she said that her little boy had slept with them from the time that he was a baby till he was five. Now, if you're a new parent, let me help you. No. Am I right, Grandma and Grandpa? Don't do that. It's okay to have them in a bassinet by your bed. But don't put them in your bed. They get used to it. Take it from me. Nobody told me that when mine was born. I wish they had have told me. But anyway, so she said, she told her little boy, she said, Now darling, tonight you're going to go sleep in your room for the first time since you've been born. And I've already asked Jesus and he's going to be in there. So she said, I put him to bed. Had a little nightlight on for him. Cracked the door, left it cracked. Stood outside the door for about 30 seconds to a minute just because she said I knew he'd start crying. And she said he didn't, he didn't cry. She said I heard him say after about 30 seconds, Jesus, mama says you're in here. If you are, don't you say nothing because you're going to scare me to death. 
That's about the way I'd feel too. I know you in here, just don't say nothing. Speak to my spirit and my mind. Be a scary thing to hear the audible voice of the Lord. You're home by yourself, laying in the bed. Everybody's gone, and all of a sudden, Bob, Mary, Sam, whatever your name is. If that happened to me, the second thing I'd do is clean the bed. But all of a sudden, they just say no. Jesus cast your nail on the right side of the boat. You're going to find 153 large fish. And they caught them all, the Bible says. Let me tell you what Jesus was proving. When I stood on that shore this last Friday a week ago, when I stood there, here's what the Lord gave to me in my spirit. He says, they had to understand something that you need to understand yourself, Gary, that you can share with people you preach to. Let them know, if I'm not in the middle of what they're doing, they're never going to have success. I don't care what you do. I don't care what business you're in. I don't care who you work for. I don't care about your family. I mean, I do, but I'm just saying, it does not matter whatever you're doing. If Jesus is not in the middle of your life and in the middle of your family's life and in the middle of your business, in the middle of what you do, you're never going to have success. They never had success until he showed up and got in the middle of what they were doing. And then all of a sudden, I believe it was John. The Bible doesn't say it's John, but his book, he's writing it. John says, it's the Lord. And I got so tickled when I read that. I mean, I just chuckled out loud. Like, duh. It sure ain't Santa Claus. It's the Lord. Who else can create that kind of a miracle? And then I ask myself this, where did those fish come from? Where did they come from? They'd been in that water all night long, but they hadn't caught any of them. Well, let me tell you why, where they came from. Whatever Jesus made, he can control except you. He chose not to try to control you unless you let him. He said, I, will want, I want them to serve me, but I will not make them serve me. I will give them a mind and a will. They have to choose me. I will choose them, but they have to choose me as well. But those fish, he can control. And I believe he just told the fish, when that net hits the water, go get in it. And I know you're saying, it didn't happen that way. It's not your story. It's my story. I'm just telling you what God gave me on the shore. Go get in the net. It doesn't matter how they got in there, they got in there. And then Peter jumped out of the boat because they always fished from their waist up with no clothes on because they didn't have a lot of clothes so they didn't want to get everything wet so that's how they fished. They fished, you know, just bare chested. Peter grabbed his coat and put it on, jumped in the water. He was only 100 short. They were only 100 yards offshore. I saw where the boat was actually landed, where it actually stopped. All of that's documented. Archaeologists have documented all of this. Where he jumped out of the boat, water's only about waist high. I could have walked right out there to it, waist high. So he wasn't walking on top of the water. He's walking on, on the rocks and underneath the water. He's going to the shore where Jesus is. You know why? Because Peter knew my answer is not in the boat, my answer is not in my friends. My answer is not in anything else but in the man standing on the shore by the name of Jesus Christ.
That's where my answer is. So the next lesson that he's teaching us today is sometimes you just got to get out of the boat. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your situation. Get out of what you're faced with and get to the shore where Jesus is so he can make you what he wants to make of you. And then the Bible says this part. As soon as he got there, the Bible says that, that Jesus said, hold it, Peter. It's in John 21. Just believe me, it's there. Hold it, Peter. You know, I used to give people where scriptures was and quote them to them. I quit that. You know why? I ain't doing your homework for you. Google it. There's two things in the world you can't hide from, God and Google. You can move tonight, honey. He'll find you in the morning. Google will find you. Not only God finds you, Google will find you. You, get on, you go home, get in that car. Google, tell me how to get to Walgreens Pharmacy. They'll tell you the closest one. Or she will or whoever you got on your little speaker voice. So the whole thing is just, I tell everybody, do your own homework. But it's in John chapter 21. Hold it, Peter. But let me tell you the kind of man Peter was. You couldn't just say, hold it, Peter. No, you had to give him a directive. Hold it, Peter. I really believe that. Right here, stop, Peter. And then Jesus looked at him and said, go get some of what you caught. So here I am talking to myself again right there on the shore, right there in Galilee. Go get some of what you caught. And I said, why? He didn't need their fish. Because the Bible says he already had bread and fish on the fire. That proves to me he didn't eat sushi. At least raw sushi. He said he had bread and fish already on the fire. He knew how many was in the boat. He knew how hungry they were. He had plenty of bread and fish. And then I asked myself this question. Where did he get his bread and fish? Well, he's Jesus. I'm sure he could have told the angels, go catch some fish, clean them, cook them, get some, stop by the grocery store, get a little bread while you're at it. Or he could have just said, let there be fish, let them be cooked, and let there be bread. That's all it was to it. That's the kind of power he's got. He can speak it into existence. Doesn't matter, he already had it. But he said, go get some of what you call. But you'll never read in John 21 or anywhere else in that book called the Bible that they cleaned those 153 fish. I'm sure they did. He would not give them 153 fish to let them ruin. Later they cleaned them. Here's what Jesus was trying to prove to them, oh boy. I got so happy on that shore when God told me this, and here's what he was proving to them. If you want what I got, be willing to give what you got. And if you're willing to give what you got, I'm willing to give you better than what you're going to give away. And that goes for every phase of our life. It means give ourselves to him. If you want him, you've got to give yourself to him. If, you're, if you want him to be in your family, you've got to be willing to give your family to him. You turn your family over to God and say, Lord, they're yours. You do what you want to do. And I'm going to stand by and I'm going to praise you in every day of my being. And then people don't like to hear this one. You've got to be willing to give them your money. Hello. Had a friend of mine that got saved. He was going to the Catholic church. And after he got saved, I told him he had to give 10%. I showed it to him in the Bible. He had to give 10%. You know. And he said, wait a minute. 
Catholic Church don't make me give 10%. Well, I don't know. I've never been to the Catholic Church. He said, no, no, I, I give them a dollar a week. They happy. I said, don't work that way, buddy. I said, that Bible right there says 10%. It goes all the way back to Genesis. It's New Testament and Old Testament. Prove it to me. Google it. It's in there. I can promise you it's in there. You Google tithing and it'll give you every scripture from Genesis to Revelation on tithing. The Lord designed it. So I asked the Lord this. I said, God, tell me something. Why did you choose to run the kingdom on money on this earth? The church. Tell me. If you don't tell me, Lord, I can't tell people. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, because money is the hardest thing for my people to let go of when it comes to kingdom business. It's the hardest thing. But if they want something, they'll go get it. And I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for telling me so I can tell people. All we got to do is give him everything we've got. Amen. And when I told my friend he had to give 10%, he said, okay, what do I do? And I explained it to him, told him what to do. And before he ever died, he said to me, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being truthful with me and what I need to do. So if you want what God's got, don't gripe about what other people have because you don't know what they're doing. Okay? It's not dollar for dollar. Let me just show you something. Tell me your name, my friend. Seth. Seth, if you could write a check right now or write, put it on your card, whatever, for $100 and it not affect you. I mean, you could pay it, no problem. I could write a check or, or put it on my card for 1000 and it wouldn't affect me. Okay? You're going to get the same blessing off that 100 I'm going to get off of that 1000 because it's not equal giving, Seth. It's equal sacrifice. It's equal sacrifice. For see, he couldn't sacrifice but a hundred, but I know I can sacrifice a thousand. And if I know I can do it, I got to do it. That's why D and I was able to give what we gave. And I'm looking at I'm looking at eighteen to be the same way. I haven't given her eighteen yet, but I'm I'm expecting it to be the same thing, fifty percent or more, or more. You know why? How can I not? When God says do it. I'm going to give all I got, all of myself, all of my family, my kids, everything. Does it mean I don't have trouble? No, I go through hell just like you do. Did you hear what I said? I know one guy got upset when I said that one time in a service. Not this I just said I go through hell just like everybody. You said hell in church? Jesus said it in the Bible. I fight the devil just like you do. He don't stand idly by and say, oh, that's scary. We can't touch him. Oh, no, 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 no. He goes into the presence of God and says, you let me test him a little bit, and I'll show you what he's made out of, just like he did the man Job. Go back and read Job's story. I read it every year. Of course, I read that Bible through every year, but read it every year. Some people never pick their Bible up till they come to church on Sunday. You're, not, you're missing out. That's all I can tell you. You're missing out on some great, some great teachings and blessings. 
I'm going to quit meddling and go back to tell my story. And when they got there and they sat down, Peter said, Jesus, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Jesus said, let's eat, Peter. Let's eat. You know why I think he did that? Now, the, the Holy Spirit didn't tell me this. This is just Gary. I think he wanted to make sure Peter ate first. It's hard to deal with people on an empty stomach. You know, it, it's, it's 1122. 20, no, no, 27. It's 11:27. You let it get a little closer to quarter to 12. You're going to go, I wish that man would shut up. Because I'm telling you, I'm hungry. Nothing wrong with that. Amen? And I just think it's easier to deal with people. Let me tell you about our ministry real quick. The man that started it, was his name was Mark Buntane. He was a missionary to India. Mark got out on the street when he first got to India and saw a homeless man and went down and sat down beside him. And he said to this homeless man, Sir, let me tell you about my Jesus. And the man looked at him and said, Sir, if you'll feed me, I'll listen to you about your Jesus. Mark got up, walked down the street and got a bowl of rice and a cup of water and brought it back and sat down by the man. Never said a word to him. The man ate his rice and, and drank his water. Mark never said a word. When he finished, Mark said, Now, can I tell you about my Jesus? And the man said, Yes, sir. The man got saved right there sitting, gave his heart and life to Jesus. The day Mark Buntain died in 1989, that man was not just a Christian. That man had a family. That man had a good job. That man was one of the leaders in the church because he listened to a man who had enough smarts to feed him first. Now maybe that ain't the way it happened. I don't know. But I know Jesus said, let's eat. The Bible says, and I'm closing with this. And I just have one closing, by the way. I know some preachers have 10 or 12. I just got one. Jesus and Peter got up and walked off together. And here's what happened. Jesus said to Peter, if you don't have John 21 open, it's right here. Right here. He said to him, Peter, do you love me Lord you know I love you I'm the first one out of the boat you know I love you and you know what Jesus said to him feed my lambs he did not say sheep there's a difference between sheep and lambs lambs are little ones sheep are the bigger ones feed my lambs that's why we have children's church that's why we teach kids, because God wants them to know. That little fellow right there, how old is he? He's five. You've got to teach him, because he's a lamb. You've got to teach him, because then when he grows up to be a sheep, he'll already know. They walked off a little further, and they stopped again. And Jesus said to him, Peter, do you really love me? Do you really, really care? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you more than earth itself, more than life itself, more than anything. Jesus said, feed my sheep. 
feed my sheep. See, here's the thing Jesus knew. Jesus knew what was going to happen in Acts, Pastor Joe, that you mentioned earlier. Jesus knew what was going to happen in the next book called Acts. Because he asked him the third time, Peter, do you love me? And he told him again, feed my sheep. You know why he asked him three times? I think, just sap theology. You don't have to accept it. Peter denied him three times when he said he wouldn't. You know what Jesus was looking for? A verbal commitment. Not a nod of the head commitment. Not a maybe so, like a little puppy dog when you pet them, you know, they just nod their little heads. No, no. You know what he was looking for? Right here. He wants to hear it verbally, how much you love him, how much you care, how much you want him. He wants to hear it verbally. And he had to get it out of Peter. Because the Bible says in the book of Acts, first two chapters, read it. Read it this week when you get home, whenever. Peter stood and preached. And Pastor Joe alluded to it. 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, that would have never happened if John 21 didn't happen. Jesus is looking for a verbal commitment out of you today. Are you willing to let him be in the middle of your life? Are you willing to let him be in the middle of everything you're doing? Are you willing to give everything you have to get what he's got? Because I'm going to tell you something. I, bet I, I guarantee you there'd be people raising hands all over this building that would testify with me and say, when I gave Jesus my all, that included everything, family, everything, that's when life really became life. I don't miss a dime of the money I give away. You hear me? I don't miss a dime of it because I know he's got much better than that. It ain't all about money. It's about my life. But I've always said this, and I'll say it one more time, and I'm closing with this. It's simply this, that when you make a decision verbally to, to get sin out of your life and make him the man of your life, when you decide that, can I tell you what's going to happen? You're going to be the happiest individual on the face of this earth. Am I right, church? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Stand with me, please. I'm going to ask you to do something with me and and again, just listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes in just a moment. There's, but let me just tell you something: there's nothing spiritual in closing your eyes. You can close them forever, but there's nothing spiritual in that. We do it as a matter of reverence. Because I don't want the devil to use anything to disturb you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. There's nothing spiritual in that. Again, it's reverence to the master. So if you would close your eyes and you just bow your head. There's two people in this building today. 
that know if sin is in your life. Now listen to me. Well, I said two people in this building know if sin is in your life. Number one, you. Number one, you. You know if sin is in your life. Number two is God. You can hide it from your family. You can hide it from everybody around you. But you're not going to hide it from God. And let me just tell you something this morning. Sin will destroy your life. It'll kill you. It'll literally kill you. And I dare not let you leave today after preaching a message on commitment and not give you an opportunity to get sin out of your life. Whether it's the first time you've ever done it or whether you have been a Christian and you've just let sin creep into your life and you've done something you shouldn't do and you know it shouldn't be there and you've not gotten rid of it. You need to get rid of it today. Don't take something home with you that will destroy you. It's not necessary. So I'm going to start over here on my left, your right. And I'm going to ask you today if you let me pray for you. I just want that honor. I want you to give me that honor. That you'll say, Brother Sap, I know sin's creeped into my life and I need it out. I want it out. I don't want to take it home with me. What I'm doing needs to stop. Pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you today. Anybody on the left side, right side, raise your hand. Just I want to see your hand. That's all. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now right here on this side where I'm standing the platform. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Now over here to this section in the, in the middle. Anybody say, Brother Seth, pray for me. I want sin out of my life today. Thank you. 13, 14. Anybody else? 15, 16. Okay, you put your hands down. To the far right. 16 to the far right. 17. Anybody else before I pray? Before I pray. Anybody else in the building? 18. I'm scanning the building. 18. Let me tell you why I ask people to raise their hands. It's not so I can get a count. No, that's not the reason. The reason is because you got to make a commitment. God, I know it's there. I have to get rid of it. And by putting this hand up, I'm saying to you, Jesus, I recognize it and I want it gone today. It's not about the hand being raised. It's not the numbers. Now I want all 18 of those and I want everybody else in this building to pray this prayer with me because I have a real feeling in my spirit everybody didn't raise their hand that should have. So I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my sin. Remove it. Forgive me. I repent. Thank you, Jesus. Because today... I am brand new. I leave here brand new. And I thank you, Lord. Amen. I don't know how that makes you feel, but that makes me feel pretty good. I said it makes me feel pretty good. 
say, why do you do a corporate deal? Now, if it's your first time to ever receive Jesus, then please find somebody in this building. And I don't know, Pastor Joe, y'all have some kind of book or anything you give them or whatever. Find somebody in this building because the Bible says if you'll confess him before men and women, he'll confess you before the Father. Find somebody and say today, I gave my heart to Jesus for the first time. For the first time. Let somebody know. Your friend beside you or somebody you trust in this building that you know. Tell somebody. Okay? Thank you for that. And if you sponsored a child, if you take that form home with you today, I pray the fleas of a thousand camels inherit your bed tonight. I need that form that you filled out. Please do not take that form home with you. Please, please, please. Pastor Joe is coming. We have a special thing we're going to do just before we dismiss you, and it's only 20 to 12. Come, Pastor Joe. I think I did pretty good. We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.